Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Marisa Anderson is a gifted musician who hails from Sonoma, California, but currently calls Portland, Oregon home. This is a recently released song by Marisa called In Waves. Somewhat under the radar, Anderson is renowned as one of the finest guitarists in the world. Emerging as a lively interpreter of Delta Blues and Appalachian folk music, Anderson has been embraced by free and improvised music aficionados for the history of guitar styles and techniques that flow through her fingers. Her latest album is bolstered by electric piano and pedal and lap steel guitar, and finds Anderson exploring the West as it sits and as it stands in a contemporary, border-conscious America. The record is called Into the Light, and it's one of the finest albums to have come out in 2016. Marisa has been touring extensively since its release in June, and she recently played Guelph. So I invited her into our home for pizza and a far-reaching conversation about her country, her life, her work, and how all of that might relate to the world. So here now is myself and the great Marisa Anderson on Creative Control. Marisa, welcome back to Guelph. Yeah, this is my third time. Third time in the city, mm-hmm. and you're from Portland, Oregon. I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm from Northern California. You're from Northern California. Yeah. And what has brought you to Guelph? Uh, the show. <laughs> the, I mean, three times. You, oh. you obviously have a... Re- do you, someone here knows you. And ben. Ben Grossman. Ben Grossman. Was, I think, the... I'm not sure... Well, even further in, there's a guy in Hamilton named Dallas Walzak, who, okay. uh, when The Golden Hour came out in 2011 which is the, sort of the first of the solo guitar iteration of what I do. He was one of the first people to write me, and he's like, you got to come to Hamilton. I was like, I don't know, where's Hamilton, you know? And he, he, like, made it happen, and one of the ways he did was, like, by hooking me up with Ben and Guelph and hooking me up with some people in Toronto, and, like, so it's basically through Dallas that everything, <laughs> that, that even, you know. That was, like, four years ago? Three, four years ago? Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. Yeah. And now everyone's talking about Hamilton. It's a really nice music scene there. <laughs> It's a cool town. I wasn't referring to the town. Oh, you're talking about the play. <laughs> Did you hear that? The, <laughs> the Mike Pence thing. There's a big uproar about the play. And uh, unfortunately, because people who like Mike Pence and Donald Trump uh, and maybe other people, too, didn't really recognize uh, which Hamilton they were angry at. 
a theater company in Hamilton, Ontario got roped into the mudslinging. You're kidding. They attacked, they just, they, yeah, all these supporters went after the wrong Twitter account. And so the people in Hamilton, Ontario didn't even know what was going like, on. We're Canadian. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> know the story. Like The quotes were like, we didn't even know what the whole controversy was. That's hilarious. We just got all these notifications telling us, we'll never come to see Hamilton. We'll never come to your theater to see Hamilton. You have disgraced yourselves. And they were like, what? What did we do? Like, oh what, my God. We're just playing Frosty the Snowman or whatever they were staging at the time. Oh. So, yeah. But uh, <laughs> do your research, people. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be an issue among some of your fellow citizens. Mm. The notion of doing research. Have you encountered that? Do you feel like that's a that's a thing? I live in a bubble. What kind mm-hmm. of bubble? Uh, I live in a bubble called Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. I live in a bubble called Traveling Musician. Right. You know, I'm, I have a I have a relationship with the news on my phone, but. Yeah. But the people in your uh, immediate surroundings, your community... You I f- think they research things. They're well-informed people. I would say so, yeah. So the bubble... Was the bubble burst by what has gone on with this election? No, unfortunately. I think that it was not a surprise that the U.S. is a racist country. The fact of it being completely out in the open... Right. That's somewhere, something to work from as opposed to something that you can mess yourself up by wondering if you're really seeing it or not, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, like the hmm. implied threat becomes overt. And in a way, that's a step. Well, it seems to be that a lot of the anger towards any kind of intellectual elitism or what people were calling political correctness was this notion of there being some group of people that knew what the right thing and the wrong thing to say was and that's something that trump really uh dove into this notion of like we should be able to say whatever we want we should be able to do whatever we want and that is manifesting itself now i think it's you know a backlash against identity politics right and that's totally understandable because you have you know people who are if you consider identity politic sort of a, a closed conversation in a way, not maybe intentionally, but it's a conversation that, you know, gained traction on university campuses and among certain people. And right. so if that's not your zone, perhaps you're just like, I don't get that. I don't need that. And so, and then all of a sudden people that aren't like up to speed on this identity politic conversation are being demonized or villainized, I can see why there's a reaction against that. Yeah. Without, without, I don't want to appear to come down on one side or the other, but I, there's something I can understand about it. It it did seem like this was a wake up call for some people who consider themselves progressives. This idea that people were upset with them for the way they were. There's a bit on Patton. Do you know the comedian Patton Oswalt? I know who he is, but I don't follow right because you're not a tv person you're not a culture <laughs> pop culture person uh, i probably have my own things but yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> he has a bit on his latest special call it's the special is called talking for clapping and he talks about how uh some progressives will come down on other people for not using the right nomenclature and he does a bit about how it's unfair on some level he can't keep up this idea of vocabulary being more yeah. important than content is yes. a dangerous idea. Right. And that seems... It's exclusive. Yes. I've been trying to uh, grapple with what's going on in your country in terms of... All of us are? Well, there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions going on to like... Uh, I read a really interesting piece. Uh, I think it was in the Post or it might have been in the Times, New York Times. That tells you who I am, I guess. <laughs> but I was reading a piece about how... It's the way uh, progressives are dealing with Trump right now and and his faction and, and his supporters is the exact opposite of how they should be dealing with them in terms of with a broad brush suggesting they're all sexist and racist and misogynist because it doesn't take the nuance into account. And we might be by doing so, you're kind of falling into a trap the same yeah. way. Yeah. So it, it, it becomes this complicated point of view. It's kind of going both ways, these finger pointing, name calling, you know. Yeah. 
broad brush strokes, like liberal elite coastal is broad brush strokes as well as yeah. redneck rural Midwestern, right? Like, is this really the battle we're fighting? You know, like I travel around a lot. I meet people all over the place. I wouldn't say that these things really hold true. The, the, I meet all different kinds of people in every place that I go. The generalizations and the stereotypes are not true. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so in my experience. And again, it's a music bubble and it's a, my own sort of sphere of influence bubble. So I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not at a Trump rally. I don't, you know, I mean, I was playing in, in rural Ohio a few months ago and it was a ton of Trump signs. And I'm sure that there was Trump supporters in the audience. And what I tend to do and say can be pretty political. And I didn't um, feel any threat from the audience interestingly though i was playing in um charleston west virginia it was west virginia i can't remember which city and there was a some people sitting in the front row and i was saying in that in that show i was saying some really overtly political things including um referencing this stupid wall with mexico idea Mm -hmm. and i referenced it pretty pretty much like you couldn't miss it and then after the show these people came up to me and it was clear that they were we weren't politically aligned but they had missed that comment completely like they the way that they took that comment and to me it was as overt as a comment could be they just they they skipped over all of the political content of my show it was it was super interesting and i still don't quite understand how they managed to do that what, what tells you what, sorry what, I, what how did that manifest itself how did, I, I can't remember the oh, okay. conversation verbatim but i remember that they came up and were like i loved your show and and this and that and referenced something that was really specifically they misconstrued however they did it I don't, you know well that seems to be a major tenant of what's going on in terms of communication it seems like people are selectively hearing yes. things that's that was what it seemed to be like people and it i mean it goes into that thing that has been you know the the how the facebook news feed is curated to what we want to hear not to yeah. what you know so we do that already in our own or we create our own vacuums something like this yeah why is that why why are, are we not as open-minded as we think we are are we uh, s- denial you know <laughs> safety um I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of safety, I mean, if you are going up on stage, you say you're in rural Ohio and you're making comments that um, I think were probably critical of Trump or Pence. And and, uh, what's your security feeling like in your country these days? Like, how how secure are you traveling around? Uh, I don't give it a whole lot of thought. I've been traveling a lot my whole adult life. And... I just carry on. I don't, you know, like, yeah, I've been in weird situations, but you know, I don't, I just don't tend to see, I don't, I don't look for trouble when I meet people. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I like to think that there's a bridge that can be built everywhere, even if we have profound disagreements. Right. And I have strong opinions and I'm, you know, there's many, if not most of those especially political opinions I'm not willing to compromise on, but that doesn't mean that as a, as people we can't find a way to have a conversation at least. Does that suggest that you think the divisiveness that we're told about is exaggerated? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't experienced it in a real one-on-one way yet. Yeah. Again, you're traveling in certain circles. Yep. And in a circle, you're in a bubble. Yep. Which is just a big sphere, really. Yep. So you're <laughs> you're kind of uh, curating your own life. Yep, as we all are. <laughs> yes. But that's why some people were surprised by yeah. what's happened, because we all live in these yeah. little tiny... And I don't control who comes to my shows. I have right. no idea who most of them are, you know, but they probably get their information to come to the shows from the quote-unquote liberal media, so... Right. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> well, you're in a you're in an interesting position uh, as an artist who uh, creates instrumental music, um, because listening to your records, there might be some contextual aspects to what's going on on the record in the artwork, maybe in some of the song titles or record titles, maybe in a in a liner note. But in a live setting, you really have an opportunity to communicate where a song's coming from. Do you find that uh, people are surprised 
about where some of your uh, inspiration is coming from? No one has ever been like, oh my God, I had no idea that, you know. I think there is a, a pretty, there's a gap between the material that's presented without me there. Like if you just buy a record or hear it online, there's going to be one kind of understanding. And if you come to see me play, there's going to be a, a really different understanding, I think, or a, a more enhanced or, you know. Um, for example, I work with a lot of traditional American material and a lot of that stuff is um, church songs. I do a lot yeah. with with religious songs. And I grew up in church and those songs are a huge part of my background. And also it's music that moved me deeply from a very young age. And just because I no longer am part of a church community and I'm not, I don't consider myself a Christian doesn't mean that that music that I have to give it up, you know? And I also have a lot of, a lot at stake in kind of in a personal way of, um, I don't want, I don't know how to say this exactly. Um, those Christians whose values seem to me to be very, counter to the teachings of Jesus, they don't get to have the music I love. I can have the music I love too. Right. You know, like that's, there's no turf war there. Well, yesterday you were opening for Sclerus White in Toronto. And it, uh, I don't mean to uh, overflatter you in my living room, <laughs> but it was honestly one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. What a, an amazing bill. You were incredible. Thank they you. were incredible. You made a comment at one point introducing a song uh, that uh, you weren't churchy or statey i yeah. think is what you said yeah and it it, it occurred to me that uh, at some point you as a human being will recognize that in yourself mm. i'm neither this nor this i'm this <laughs> i'm somewhere in between everything do you remember when and it's probably always changing but do you have a sense of when your sense of self or identity sort of crystallized and maybe why well i don't think crystallized because it is always changing and you know i and we and you are learning about ourselves every day i don't learn very much about myself no i need need to take a class (laughs) someone's got to teach a course about me so i can learn yeah (laughs) um so you know unfolding throughout my life is this you know i learn more um i think definitely an early break from things that I had grown up being taught is like I was a super queer kid from like early 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 on yeah growing up in a religious environment my family wasn't particularly religious but I went to Sunday school I went to youth group and I went to Catholic high school and I got super fed you know a lot of things that were absolutely antithesis of who I knew myself to be even at a very young age yeah you know and so that sort of splintering of identity and the like absolute imperative to think critically about the information that's being given started with that for okay. sure. So how did you move forward with your family after all of this was sort of recognized? Did you do you get along well with your family? I'm I'm close with my siblings and I'm these I have a good relationship with my my dad's no longer alive, but we had a good oh. relationship and, and with my mom. Yeah, it's it's all been a work in progress. Yeah. You know? Okay. But yeah, <laughs> life is. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, and so you were raised in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Was that good? Yeah. I, I was raised in um, Sonoma, which is a really nice little town and, you know, beautiful. Like my, I was, it's pretty rural. Um, I was raised on land. There wasn't a lot of kids around. So it was like me and my siblings running around playing in the creek, running around in the hills. Is it known for anything? Wine. Wine. Oh, right. Yeah. I think that's... I'm not a drinker, but that yeah. sounds familiar. There's yeah, like, it's the wine country. It's of, the wine country. Yeah. Was that good? Well, I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> good for your parents? Uh, my mom doesn't drink. Right. <laughs> but the grapes in that area must be good, right? I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about, but... You don't eat wine grapes. You don't eat wine grapes yeah, at and all. Most of, most of the land is planted in wine grapes. Oh, so. okay. Wine, well, winery... But there's a lot of really beautiful produce, and that area is also uh, historically a chicken farming area. Oh, okay. Oh. And does that connote, uh, wine country, does that connote wealth? Like, is it an affluent area? Uh, Now it is. Uh. When I was growing up, it wasn't quite the resort area that it is now. But, you know, anytime that you have a resort area, you also have a service industry area. Hmm. 
right? So if you have the like the the town that everyone goes to, you have all the towns around it that all the people that work right. in the restaurants and in the hotels live in. So these things go hand in hand, you know. Sure. Did you do any of that kind of work? Restaurant work? Yeah. Yeah. You did. I was a maid. I worked in a burger joint. I yeah, I've cleaned houses. I've You did all that stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. And was it a musical family that you My mom plays music, yeah. What does she play? She plays piano and flute and she sings. Oh, and she's still like that's is that something she passed on to you? Yeah. She had the idea rightfully, I think, that um in addition to what you learn in school, all kids should learn how to read music and learn how to swim. So she made sure that we oh. knew both of those things. She she viewed it as an essential skill. Yes, a life skill. Wow. Yeah. See, I don't I didn't have that experience myself. My, my music was uh, looked down upon in my family. So I and I that made me want it more. Uh-huh. So I wonder, maybe that's rebellion or something. Did you rebel? I I think my whole life has been that way too. <laughs> <laughs> you're a rebel. You're you're a rebel. Uh, I mean, I would never use that word to describe myself. But no. I, I don't, who would? Um, who would really? I don't know. Johnny Yuma, maybe. <laughs> that's about it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they encouraged music, and then what was your first instrument? Uh, my very first instrument was a uh, recorder. From I, my mom had a flute teacher and she would take me to her lessons and then at the like last 10 minutes of her lessons the teacher would show me some things on recorder and that was like age 7 to 10 or so and then I switched to guitar Oh, and uh, played classical because it was a small town and that's the teacher that was there that's what he did 10 years old did you say? yeah okay 10, 11 played classical guitar uh, stopped taking lessons around 14 or 15 and just would like spend hours and hours alone in my room doing like arpeggios like just as fast as I could for as long as I could. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just got really into it. Who um, would have inspired you to do that beyond your own interest in the guitar? Like, did you have players that you liked? No. Not I, at all? I didn't know anybody that played guitar or I didn't have any musical. That We had we had an 8-track player in, in the, like, where the, at our house. And, um, well, my mom only listens to classical music and basically only Baroque and my dad only listened to country music and sometimes opera. Mm-hmm. So that was the music. And then we had like a record player that the kids would listen to. And we had four eight tracks. And we had um, Bill Monroe, uh, John Denver, Rush, Moving Pictures, <laughs> and uh, like some Sousa marches. I can hear all of that in your playing. Yeah, now. it pretty much sums it up. That's weird. Yeah. So the limitation of having four physical eight tracks is basically what probably shaped you into the guitar player you are. In a way, and that and, and like taking classical guitar lessons and like just like playing as fast as I could and, you know, getting technique. It's weird, yeah. Now you, I mean, everyone who saw your show last night that I talked to was just like, what the hell? Like that's, <laughs> you know, and I think we, we, we've come to view, if you're a music fan, the guitar player can be like the star of the band. It doesn't matter what the lead singer's doing. But guitarists, I don't know what it is. Is it why? Do you have any idea I have why? No we, idea because I don't really listen to guitar players. It's you don't. not really. Yeah. We revere them though. Guitar playing seems like a magic trick. Hmm. Do you have any? Sense I feel of like that? piano playing is a magic trick. Singing is a magic trick, and brass is a magic trick. Oh my huh. god! I, yeah, and bowing. I can't. I can't. Well, I had a guitar teacher once tell me that the guitar makes no sense. It doesn't. I mean, it does, but you have to get kind of into it for it to reveal itself. He says it's not a logical instrument. It's not set up logically. It's not set up intuitively, but there is a logic to it. Explain. Well. (laughs) I don't want a music lesson. I didn't bring you here to give me a guitar lesson, but I... It's not linear. It's not like the piano where you look at it and you're like, oh, the low notes are on one side, the high notes are on the other, and it goes in order. Yes, that's right. The guitar is a shape-based instrument. Right. And these shapes make sense. They're movable shapes. And it's an interval-based instrument. Like wh- how you put your fingers is the relationship between two notes. And if even if those notes change, the relationship doesn't change. So there's a logic there that you can follow. There is a logic there. That's true. But yeah, okay. But it's not intuitive. You have to spend some time with it. And did you come to a point where you realized that you, or do you, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you have the self-awareness to know that you're doing something particularly unique with that thing? I don't give it that much thought. But you're told that by people like me with microphones. I still don't give it too much thought. 
You're just doing your I thing. I just do my thing. Right. Yeah. And you, you. It's not useful for me to consider, you know. How great you might be? <laughs> no. I didn't say that. I, or you didn't say that. I said that. No, there, I, again, I don't mean to just overflatter you, but I do like my understanding and, and from what I've heard, like you kind of drew yourself out and, and drew yourself to recording studios with kind of uh, a basis in fundamental music, so to speak. Like you you were interested in kind of folk culture and history, right? Yeah, from an early age, weirdly. And Appalachian music and that sort of stuff. Well, it was story songs, you know, and when the, like these certain characters show up in different songs, you know, it's like like the folklore element of of folk music was I think what, what got me like reading lyrics or hearing lyrics and be like, how is it that this person is showing up in all these different songs or this situation, right. you know, got me intrigued. And so I would like go to the library and, you know, it's a small town. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. It's not like the internet or something. Mm-hmm. Go to the library and check out like the book of, you know, Francis Child lyrics and read them and be like, what's going on here? What are these stories? And then you'll yeah. hear these songs. And So it was, know. so on some level it was lyrics, it was a lyrical thing. It's for me. It's like it was lyrics and just sound. There's certain sounds like in country music. I love the sound of guitars in country music. The right. Way even new country. Like I'll listen to like new country songs on the radio just for the guitar breaks because it's like, what are they doing? It's massive to me. The kind of reverb oriented stuff. It's just I can't. Even, I don't have a vocabulary for it. It's just a sound, and it gives me a feeling, and then I'm like, I want to make that feeling. But there's a relationship between country guitar playing, I think, and jazz guitar playing. Would you say? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'd say like you know, you consider someone like Chet Atkins, yeah. who is quintessentially a country, but what he was doing wouldn't like he could have been a massive jazz player, like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there is some crossover in, you know, especially like if you're talking about sort of the 50s and once the electric guitar became part of like a common vocabulary, you know, among different kinds of instruments, there's there's that relationship for sure. Well, even though you at least initially were kind of rooted in these uh, traditions, you've been really embraced by kind of the outer reaches of jazz uh on some level or improvised or experimental music that's something you gravitate towards too right yeah well i think one thing is choosing to do instrumental music breaks down some barriers you know i don't have to structure what i do around the necessity of a lyric or the imperative to make a meaning about something so it opens up and then playing without a drummer i think gives me like this really sort of sonic free range mm-hmm. and um and so i started on nylon string guitar and then i that was classical and then i moved to steel string guitar when i was learning um to play you know like i learned to flat pick and i learned to um improvise sort of in a folk style and you know uh spent a couple years really obsessed with uh learn like adapting irish fiddle tunes onto finger yeah. style guitar and then moved to a semi hollow body for a, a band that i was in and then finally found my way very late in life probably around my mid-30s to just a regular electric guitar and um what really got me and why i have stayed there i think is that the electric guitar has sustain mm-hmm. and other guitars don't other kinds of guitars don't have sustain and so when i found that i could like play a note and it would ring in the air and then i could play against that note and make this whole like vibrational field happen i was like okay here i am like let's do this do you do uh i'm, I'm not i I, uh, I have a couple of guitars i'm not a great i'm not a knowledgeable guitar player uh do you do like octave stuff is that something you're doing I do some octave stuff, yeah. yeah which yeah. is a bit of the ringing note thing. Yeah, I'm go- I'm pushing as many frequencies out there as possible so that I can kind of play against them or play with them and, and create moments of consonance and dissonance. Yes. It's like tension and release, you know? Right, and you're kind of, as one person, you're spending a lot of time kind of creating a bass, bass note sort of structures mm-hmm. and then playing melodies beneath them, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess like setting up setting up a template and then kind of messing with it is a yeah a writing style skill i don't know um but you're not someone from what i've seen you're not you, have you ever done like looping things no i don't but it sounds like more than one thing is happening yeah 
which is a remarkable feat in itself. Like I watch, I was watching you last night, and I, and I, you know, I hear it in the records. I think the records you're doing a bit of overdubbing, right? No, just the just the record. The new record is the only one. Oh. All the other records are solo guitar. Right, but it's a full. It sounds like a few things are happening at the same time. Yeah, that's a thing you do. Yeah, <laughs> I had a, like at some point I early i made a choice right i can like get into pedals and learn all about and i'm the way that i am as a person is like if i start learning about something i need to learn all about it i need to go all the way there like there's nothing casual and so i was like well i can either like choose to do that with pedals or i can figure out how to make my hands do the thing and that's so much more attractive to me um just in terms of my personal philosophy and also economically and the logistics of travel and you know just like like Right now, we have the possibility to make every sound. You can have a hundred tracks. You can have whatever. You can make anything. I find that I work better in life, not just music, with a more limited set of choices. Yeah. And often what you leave out can be as important as what you put in. And I just started to take the less is more road. And also just, I'm not a purist, but um, I enjoy the challenge of trying to do things with my hands that I see other people doing in other ways, you know, like when yeah. I first was hearing what could be done with a delay pedal, I was like, oh, I, I like that. That sounds really cool. I'm going to try and do that without the delay pedal. Right. You know, and that's just a, a compositional challenge is all. Yeah, you're kind of... It's not a, there's no judgment there. No, but it's like a it's like a dense minimalism. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I don't know too many people who can do that very well. I mean, you you travel in these circles. Are there... Do you point, can you think of guitar players or musicians that are doing? I mean, I think of Colin Stetson sometimes when I hear your records. People have said that, yeah. yeah. I've not delved into his music, so I can't weigh in. Well, Colin's very one well. guy playing saxophone, uh, right? saxophone, but he does a circular breathing thing, yes. like kind of like Evan Parker and uh, other people, and he creates multiple kinds of sounds all yeah. at the same time by himself. Because he can get overtones. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of. Yeah, I would say there's a similarity there. <laughs> Not just to Colin, but these yeah. th- th- these kinds of people. That idea, yeah. So your interest in narrative-based song structures uh, leads me to wonder, like, are you a songwriter? Do you write poetry? Do you write any other... Do, do, you, do you create in a way that gets to storytelling beyond your music? I used to write a l- more songs. And then I just, you know, I found it too hard. <laughs> Lyric, l- Lyrical-based yeah, yeah, I have a record out from like 2004 that's like me singing sad country songs that I wrote. And, uh, and you didn't, you just found it too much of a challenge or not satisfying? Well, I'll tell you what, I love to play guitar and I always love to play guitar every day in any room, whatever space I'm in, I can work it out that way. Singing, I don't always love it and I, I would rather sing with people than for them. I'd rather sing for fun. We, we weirdly have this effect in your live show because you did a, in your banter last night in Toronto, you told the story uh, of, uh, and I don't want to spoil it for you, but I will, maybe you can even tell it. But basically you told the story about uh, a woman's encounter with the devil, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you tell that story? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You can find it on the YouTube. Okay, but it's a folk. Yeah. It's a folk story, and it's basically a it, woman. Well, it's a, it's the lyrics of the song that I did. Oh, right, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Which song was it? That was the House Carpenter slash the Demon Lover. Right, the Demon Lover. Right, yeah. House Carpenter. I know Demon Lover. I hadn't heard. So the Demon Lover is the British precursor to the House Carpenter, and the House Carpenter, like, there's the woman. She there's her lover, whatever. 
but he's not the devil. But when you go further back where the song came from, right? It, her lover is the devil. And that's another... That got lost when it crossed the ocean. That's another thing you do. Mm-hmm. You are uh, interested in adaptations and, and source material. Yeah. You've done the, the, this a few times with... Uh, there's the, the very, Johnny, I Hardly Knew You. Johnny, mm-hmm. I Hardly Knew You, which people know is as uh, the ants go marching one by one yeah, or, or or when Johnny comes marching home again and yeah. I thought while you were talking yesterday and telling that story I thought of The Clash's English Civil War which is basically that song hmm. exactly uh, that they adapted into their own thing so it's weird it's just I'm interested in the folk process as this giant game of telephone that has oral history yes absolutely or, and oral so storytelling yeah when like music was a way of spreading the news or of talking about current events or of sharing feelings, whatever. And then recording came along and recording froze the folk process into these versions that we think are the versions. Yeah. We think that, oh, like so-and-so's way that they did whatever song it is on that particular day in that particular year and that moment is now definitive in some way. And yeah. in fact, that killed exactly the life of you know, the, the folk process sort of became null and void as a result of the recording industry. And I like to play with that idea of that there's a definitive version of anything that we make musically, because why does there need to be? Yeah, there's this thing that's been happening lately that I find very troubling where uh, a band, it's sort of been dying out, but bands will play like whole records in sequence live yeah yeah. which i find to be the exact opposite of why i would want to go see something live well it's like what you were saying about when you got back together with the guy that you played drums with you didn't just go and learn your old drum parts you wanted to approach the music from the person that you are yeah yeah now totally agree with that yeah Yeah. that's like a weird thing that people i I think they just get married to these artifacts yeah it's like object based almost yeah but it's or accomplishment based yeah, and I think it's a weird thing to be happening in an age where nothing is really tangible. Mm-hmm. Like everything's streaming and like uh, no one wants physical anything. They don't want any real record of anything. And yet they there is, maybe it's dying out with us, like this no- notion of there being, because I do think that there are definitive or rather really lovely studio versions of songs. Absolutely. And uh, you can see people biff those songs live. We're, we're trying to make something <laughs> empirical out of art. Yes. And I, I, in my opinion, that's counter to the nature of why we create things. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. Your y- y- critics and maybe fans uh, have a hard time uh, with instrumental music sometimes. Uh, in terms of trying to articulate what it might be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I've been guilty of uh, as a music writer is I sometimes will describe uh, instrumental music as being cinematic. Oh, I've, Jim and I have been having this conversation in the car. <laughs> yeah, might. yeah, like people don't know. They need, in the absence of lyrics or a voice, they need to... Uh, have some way of describing what their mind is seeing when they're hearing a song. Mm-hmm. I find that weird. However, having said that, your new record does have kind of a cinematic connection, right? I made it as the soundtrack to a movie that I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie that you exist only in your mind. Yeah, but this, there's there's a narrative, there's scenes, the songs were made for those scenes. What's the yeah. movie about? Um, The movie... It's a little bit hard to explain in a very short way, but <laughs> it started with the idea of this word alien. That means either someone from outer space or someone not from the U.S. Right. And I was attaching that troublesome concept to um, the refugee crisis and the sort of migrational crisis that we're experiencing all over the planet. But I was attaching it locally to the uh, the border of Mexico and the southwestern U.S. And so I built this science fiction western about a, a character who is an alien, who literally from the sky, but who appears to, who, to, and so who shows up in the Southwest at an unnamed place and an unnamed time. And so there's no knowledge of whether that's Mexico or the U.S. because this, these things okay. have changed a lot. And then the other factor about this character that I created is that to whoever they're encountering, that person sees the alien as just like themselves. Right. And then they're the, a reflection of themselves? Um, just like whatever, not a reflection, not oh. like a mirror image, but like 
if that person is, or if that, you know, the character, the alien character is wherever they are, they're, they're a chameleon, right. not to themselves, but to the, to, to the observer. Okay. It's not, that was good. That was a good explanation okay. of your movie. <laughs> I feel like that can go on Rotten Tomatoes and everyone will understand exactly what it is. Um, what, I mean, obviously, I guess it's, maybe it's obvious. This was spurred on by the Politics, political, yes. political climate. Yes, current events. And what, and what? And what's the difference between us and them and me and you? And what does it mean when someone say, like the town that I grew up in, Sonoma, for example, was um, the the final battle that made California not Mexico was fought there and the, the California flag was raised. Yes. So there was people living there who went to bed as citizens of one country and woke up as living in another country mm -hmm. and as a result of their color of their skin the socioeconomic status whatever became first or second or third class citizens due to circumstances that they had absolutely nothing to do with mm -hmm. you know and so like their whole uh, so just like playing with those ideas and how that plays out around the world but in, in particular in the southwest because i mean that you know, a West, I wanted to make a Western record was the other intention. Yeah. And so do you feel like the music itself uh, reflects that kind of cultural tension or collision, so mm, to speak? I don't know about that. I just wanted to make something with like a Western sound. <laughs> it does have kind of, because of your love of the country and Western guitar playing. and. Well, I wanted to do something because the other instrumental guitar records that I've made have relied heavily on blues and Appalachian material. Right. And I just wanted to, and a lot of guitar players are playing in that zone and it's a lovely zone. It's also not my homeland, you know, right. like I'm, I'm a visitor to, to the, those songs, even as deeply as I love them or as long as I've been listening to them, I am born and bred in the West. Right. And uh, you know, that brings with it some influences that are not apparent in Appalachian or blues music. Like, music that comes up from Mexico, you know, There's yeah. different sounds. So you've, hmm. this speaks to, I think, a larger issue of belonging and who belongs yes. and, uh, and why someone would think that someone does or doesn't belong. Yes. And when you grapple with that on a record like this one and you, at least mentally, I don't know if you wrote this script down. No, I didn't. <laughs> when you're done sort of, creating something like this and you've processed what you've done did you come away with some larger understanding of this issue or the tension mm. therein i don't think i have a larger understanding of it no i think i just needed to like create through my confusion about it yeah this yeah. this is music making therapeutic for you that way um like does it help you there's a see i, I one of the things i wanted it's clarifying i wouldn't it say does? therapeutic oh, okay. i do process emotion and um yeah ideas i wouldn't say thoughts but ideas and emotions process musically through me and it can be useful to take things out of a literal realm or out of a sort of word-based realm and just try to make feelings out of them and then discover that relationship. Yeah, it does seem to me that an artist like yourself, when you're making something, you're kind of having this weird conversation with the world. Um, it's I, a kind of a one-sided conversation, right? I'm making I something. <laughs> I suppose so, but then you go out into the world with it. Yeah, and but you... my record doesn't say anything about that. Like, you can listen to that record and be like, this is a record. It's music. It's true. I have a bio. You'd have to yeah. research me or come to a show to find that out. And I do that on purpose. I don't need to like literally like put it on my sleeve. I would rather, because I do believe also that music can just be experienced as music. And I want to give people the chance to have that experience with my music, as well as if they're like, who is this person? Yeah. To find meaning or to find narrative or to find a more literal interpretation i want to make that available but i don't want to put that on the record did are you familiar with william tyler mm -hmm. have you heard his modern mm -hmm. country record and I, I had i had him on the show uh when the record was out and um we had a very long and prolonged conversation about politics mm -hmm. uh which he 
sort of revealed and would continue to do so in other interviews that you know that was a major um influence on mm-hmm. what he was trying to put forth and i and i once interviewed a a fella who plays in a band and and his band had uh lyric song vocal based uh songs but they'd always have instrumentals and i asked him to kind of go through for an exercise we just went through each song so he could describe them to me and i found that the instrumental songs that he was describing to me yielded the most Hmm. discussion and most conversation he wanted to talk about those way more uh and william the same way like i didn't know william uh very well i knew his work but um it's interesting to me that the people who are saying the least with their songs i mean in their songs have the most to say Mm -hmm. (laughs) because even in this conversation like there's so much that or within this conversation or within like when people go to see you they're going to hear about what's going on in the songs and that can totally change everything. Mm-hmm. They'll just been, been listening to records, you know, maybe they haven't thought too much about them or maybe there's not that voice sort of telling them what to think and mm-hmm. what to feel. Mm-hmm. And yet there you go. I mean, is there part of you that ever thinks maybe I shouldn't just say anything. Maybe I should just. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have to tune between songs and I don't like right. awkward silence and I don't particularly feel like, small talk is the way to go. And I also recognize that I have a, uh, it's a gift to have a platform. It's a gift to be able to have, to be on a stage with people, you know, receptive to what I might say and that I don't want to squander that gift. Yeah. No, that's fair. You've also been very prolific, haven't you? I mean, is it fair? Have I? I don't know. Haven't you put out a record almost every year in the last four or five years? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe every other year. It seems like it, I'm not complaining. Oh no, it's, it's cool. I don't. I feel like I'm very slow to really? create things, but you could be right. You seem to be putting something mm-hmm. out, like uh, whether it's a split record or whatever. It just yeah. seems like there's. I'm always... a workaholic too. Is this your is this your main thing? Yeah, yeah. It's it, and it's working itself out for you. Seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> you're happy doing it. You like traveling. Yeah. Yeah, and That's you're. Good. Are you kind of rootless in a way? Like, are no, you, I have a great home. You're in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. How, how are things in Portland? Um, it's a little rough there right now. It's like a gentrification. Oh. It's sped up. People are rent. There's no rent control, and the rents have. There's we have the urban growth boundary, which means we have beautiful natural areas very close to the center of the city. But it also means that the center of the city is getting developed really quickly, and there's less housing stock than there are people that want to live there, which means the poorest people fall through the cracks and that's happening a lot in Portland. Right. Oh, that's not good. It's tough. And I mean, there's been a light sort of shone on that city in the last four or five years, yeah. six years. People. I mean, there's that. a beautiful culture there too. I mean, there's really good food, a really nice community, you know, but if you can find a place to live and a way to make a living it can be a really nice place to live. Are there a lot of incoming residents, like people who are moving to Portland yeah, because they've heard about it? a lot of migration to Portland, yeah. So that's putting strain on everything, yeah, too. Yeah, on the that's, available resources. That's creating the displacement, probably, because they've No, been a- I, I would never blame people relocating as what's causing displacement. What's causing displacement is po- city policies hmm. that do not protect vulnerable people. Right. Have you written music about Portland? Not particularly. Is Portland a, a place that warrants the kind of the, the kind of sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> treatment that you've given? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of joking. But is there a story that, to tell about that city right now? Maybe not yet for me. I don't know. Is it easier to talk about things that you have some distance from? I think so. Yeah. Because you're upset, yeah. if I might say, you seem a little obsessed with sort of. Uh, not so recent history. <laughs> the things there, there, there's a lot of distance, and there's a, uh, generations have gone through it. Well, I, I write from my personal history too, but one of more like experiences in my twenties and thirties. I'm in my mid forties now. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate perspective, and I think perspective takes a little time. Yeah. you know, you're not a. I'm rash. not. I'm not much of a, like. I don't instantly know how I feel about something usually i'm a little bit slow to i look at all sides i think about it I, you know i sure i'm not i'm not a person that immediately knows my mind that's good to know about yourself <laughs> it is i mean do you need multiple listenings or viewings to yeah figure out if you yeah. enjoyed something okay. yeah i do so what is what are you working on right now well i've been on tour since 
the late September. Yeah. So record came out in June. The record came out in June, yeah. but I spent the uh, summer at home, which was really nice, and then um, went on the road, went to Europe. So I was working on some stuff, you know, before I left, but it kind of fell through the cracks of just tour. Mm. And when I get back, yeah, I'm working on some stuff, but nothing, nothing that I can really put a finger on you haven't figured out what your next thing might be Mm, no i have i've been mulling that over you you seem to me and i don't know you well but you seem to me to be a really measured uh and thoughtful person you you have to go home at some point and hang out in america uh after some time away yeah a lot has changed yeah what is your mindset and you're going back uh in a day you're going to detroit Uh, as we're speaking you've got some American shows coming up. But yeah, and I have a week more on the road, and then I'll be home for a couple months. Have you been home home since the election? I was home like the week of the election, okay. which I was very glad to be home because I needed some I needed some support around yeah. me <laughs> for that, honestly. Right. If you had been anywhere else, people would probably just laugh. Or well, I just would have felt not, so... You know, if I'd been in Europe or Canada when that was happening, I think I would have felt apologetic and alienated. I don't know. Yeah. It just and it was just like grief. It was an honest feeling of grief. It, it still is. Still have it, yeah. And in grief, I think that it is it is helpful to be around people who are can understand that in a, in a deeper way. Well, there there has been uh even for me up here and for us in Canada, like we've all gone through the stages of grief, uh, the so-called stages of grief that, Still going through it. Yeah, and I think uh, we're collectively in the U.S. in the stage called denial right now. Well, the and that's really man. As, as we're speaking, you and I right now, uh, the Wisconsin. There was a request to have the Wisconsin and it was granted. Now, and the request was granted. And uh, there's a couple other states that, of all people, Jill Stein is uh, <laughs> leading the charge Very on. Interesting. Yes, and so a part of me uh, is hopeful. Part of me wonders if we're all still in denial because it's it would. In a completely unprecedented election year, this would be another completely unprecedented thing for the Electoral College to be, uh, the, the the result of the Electoral College vote to be um, mm-hmm. turned around or even disputed mm-hmm. by members of the... Is it, is it the, denial to even think that's possible or is it something else? It, I can't figure out that it part. It seems like it's new information. It's just like, oh, that's a thing you can do? You can do a recount? Oh, the Electoral... The, the members of the electoral electoral college can actually say I'm not going to vote for the winning candidate like that I didn't know uh, yeah, that those we'll were find things. out can they we'll find out yeah so that's where I'm like is this more false hope um, yeah I'm trying not to well this sorry this all this actually <laughs> my question was going to be you're heading back <laughs> into the states you're a thoughtful measured person that's where I was going with this are you hopeful to go like when you go home are you hopeful that whatever mess has been i think whatever happens in the next little while uh your country's in disrepair i'm sorry yes. no our country is has been in disrepair for a long time yeah. and is manifesting grave symptoms now for me going home i live in portland oregon it's a bubble i am really excited about local things yeah i i think that on a on a national level on a federal level yeah this it's dire and it would have been dire either way. This is a very overt expression of that. Um, so locally, I think that the, like organizing and whatever hope we have for, to get through the next four and more years is um, on a, like a city council level, yeah. on a like know your neighbors level, on a create and continue to work on community connections and these networks that can't be broken as easily um and like that can't be bought and i think that the time has been and is especially now to to build these that yeah i'm excited about local things you do you do sound hopeful for the things that you know i don't want to not have hope yeah you know i mean when i look at the sort of federal picture and think about um extinction and climate change and these things and like the and i think about like deportation I was like, it's overwhelming and I lose hope. But I also recognize that just because laws are made, it's people that have to follow through with these policies. And if they can be convinced on a local level to not follow through, 
they might not, you know? Like there's some cops at Standing Rock that have turned in their badges and yeah. walked away. Yeah. That can happen. Yeah. And I think that's the pressure. And it's a local pressure and it's an immediate pressure. And it's a like, we are friends and neighbors here. It does seem to put pressure on people to really uh, let the decency within them come out. Yes. Uh, you know, it's the. It's and that goes back to the, you know, beginning of the conversation where it's no good to finger point and be like, you're stupid because you yeah. did this or that. It's like, no, where, what's our common, what do we. What do we share? What's what do we both care about? Yeah. Let's let's find that out and then let's work on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I appreciate this conversation and uh, and I appreciate your perspective on these things oh. and I appreciate your playing and all these things. <laughs> Is there a place for people listening to uh, go to? What's the best place online to Bandcamp? It's Marisa Anderson Music. Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah. You've got and... a nice website though. I have. I do have a decent <laughs> website. Thank you. <laughs> it's good. It's a good site. Yeah. yeah. If you just want music, yeah. go to Bandcamp. If you want to like find out more about you know what I have, tour dates done. and stuff. Yeah, all that stuff is on the website. On the website, just Marisa Anderson music, and my name is M A R I S A. Yes, Marisa, not yeah. Marissa. Right. I shouldn't have even said it. <laughs> uh, is there a song from the new record that we can play for people right now? Oh, I- I think it's your choice. Oh man, I don't have it on me. I thought I would ask you since you have all the meanings and context for everything. I thought... Well, I'm a fan of the first song on the first side or the last song on the first side. I think those are nice drop-ins. What? Which... You have to pick one. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's... The first song, I will say, uh, seems like a first song. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. So part of my... And I don't... You can do whatever you want. It's uh, it's your show. You've taken over my couch in my living room. It's your. It's you can do whatever you want. No, I, I, all I was gonna say is maybe something other than the, Uh because people will always, what is this? Who is this? I'll go to the first song, but maybe you pick something. Well, I really like uh, he was without his guns too. Okay, the last song on the first side. And what? And why is that? Well, I was, I like it because it's, well, I like it for a lot of reasons, and some of them are just totally not really relevant but um it was a a rough mix of a rough take of a song that i was just not didn't mean to record i was just like messing like i'm always messing around but in this particular case i was kind of teasing myself and like showboating a little with this classical guitar line and trying to figure out how to mic the classical guitar and just like i felt like i was doing something really stupid and it came out really beautiful It's a showy instrument on some level, or we, we, I was trying to articulate this earlier, but it, it does seem to lend itself to kind of a voyeuristic belief that the person is a virtuoso. Like if, if it's done well, like you're just like kind of obsessed with the virtuosity of it as a fan of mm-hmm. guitar playing. Uh, and so you're really impressed by, are you easily impressed as a guitar fan like are you no no you don't seem like someone who would be you just be like that's no. hacky or like anyone can yeah you're just well, showing off no, I, i'm not judgmental <laughs> i'm just not always i'm not like oh that's awesome right i'm not gonna be like that's yeah i'm not gonna talk down on what someone's doing but if i'm if you ask me if i'm impressed it would take a bit it take a bit for for you yeah. to be impressed okay yeah. and and at the same time are you sort I'd of, like to be supportive, which is different. Than sure, but impressed. are you conscientious yourself of like, ah, that's a little wanky? Oh, or yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I'm like my worst critic. So this song was headed that you're oh, like, I, uh, yeah. I don't think I should be doing this, but then it turned no, into No, I was just doing it almost as a joke. Right. <laughs> I was just like, this is just, I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to, you know, kind of overplay. And then it, when I listened back, I was like, oh, it's, it's nice. Okay. So ending this way seems fine to me. It's we're ending the, the chat. Uh, Marisa, this is very lovely to have you yeah, here thank in you my for house. Having me. It's been a really nice conversation. Good, it's, it's, and I w- I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
A gorgeous song by Marisa Anderson there called He Is Without His Guns from her latest album, 2016's Into the Light. Thank you once again, Marisa, for being on this program. And uh, for those of you who are perhaps encountering her music for the first time and hearing her voice for the first time, please seek out Marisa and her music. Uh, go see her live. She is a, a wonder. And it was uh, nice to, to get to know her a little bit over the course of 24 hours after seeing her play in Toronto and then again in Guelph. What a life I lead. I get to see great musicians, and then sometimes they come to my house. That's just the way things go. This is episode 293 of Creative Control with Vish Khanna, and this podcast uh, it would not be possible without you, first of all. And if you can do me a favor and go on to iTunes and uh, give the uh, show a positive uh, rating and a positive review, that would be very helpful. And subscribe. Please subscribe to the podcast and, and urge others to subscribe to it, too. Uh, there's lots of uh, episodes. Well, there's 293 of them so far, and there's more to come. So uh, please consider doing that. If you want to learn more about the program generally, you can go to my website, vishkana.com. And uh, you should know that the uh, the show also exists on audioboom.com. But uh, all of the information about the show is on my website, vishkana.com. You can also, uh, by going to my site, click on to a Patreon link to make a flexible monthly donation to the podcast version of this program. We do have some t-shirts still for sale, by the way. If you'd like a t-shirt, give me a shout. Or if you think you're owed a t-shirt, that's possible too. Sometimes I lose track of the t-shirt orders. Anyway, follow up with me. Send me an email at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com or direct message me on Facebook. Uh, Creative Control with Vishkana is on Facebook. And we're also on Twitter, at Vishcreative. I'm on Twitter, at Vishkana. And you can listen to this show every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time via CFRU.ca around the world, or if you're in the area, CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. Uh, this show, as I mentioned, would not be possible without you listening. It also would not be possible without the bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about the bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. And also, Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. You can learn more about them at trocaderoguelph.ca. They are located at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph, so call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. Pizza Trocadero is amazing, thanks to them. That is pretty much all I have to say. This was, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, this may not mean any of you, but this was a three-episode week, which is unusual. We were down to one episode a week, but I believe, if all goes well, for the rest of uh, the year before I take a break, uh, before the uh, Christmas holidays, uh, we'll be up to two episodes a week for the most part, unless something goes awry. Anyway, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to uh, Marisa. And uh, we will talk to you very soon. We meaning me. I. Marisa might talk to you. I don't know. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.